0: Lead worshippers, yes. Fantastic. So good. I I should have prayed. I prayed for the whole world there, but I should have prayed that Canada would win more gold medals. Um, Yes, Lord. Uh, If you're a young person, and they're not just walking out because they don't like me, uh, but you're a young person, then follow Jonah that way, and they're going for their group. And Nick, one of our Pursuit students And uh, follow them that way and uh, they will be uh, looking after those uh, teenagers that we um, may have with us. Good to see you this morning. Glad you made it to church. What a beautiful day. Did wonder whether anybody would come. Honestly, I was like, oh yeah. And Satan did come and whisper to me in the ear and whispered those two words that no pastor wants to hear big white. And I was like, thanks, Josh, for laughing. You got it. Uh, yes, a beautiful day, a beautiful day on uh, today, and a big white. Oh, no, thank you. Oh, Zach, he's such a nice guy, isn't he? I've, I've, I've done my back in. Oh, now, we're, I, I'm, I'm loosening you up a bit because uh, Because the subject we're going to uh, uh, discuss is probably the central story, and you may not realize this, in the great narrative of 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel, the central narrative. And it comes together at this chapter 16 in these verses of chapter 16 and verse 14, where David goes and starts to serve in the courts of Saul. Now, it's particularly difficult, so bear with me, because it talks about, now the spirit of the Lord had departed from Saul, and an evil spirit from the Lord uh, came upon him. Now, the spirit of the Lord had departed from Saul, and an evil spirit from the Lord tormented him. Not a comfortable verse. Now, of course, we believe in in understanding the Scriptures, the context. But let me take you back for a moment. We have had a moment that took place. And that moment that took place was when, when the Lord said to Samuel, Come on, why are you mourning for Saul? It's time to move on, get on with the job. I'm sending you to Bethlehem, to the house of Jesse, and there I want you to anoint one of his sons as the king. That's a bit awkward, because the king is already the king. So Samuel goes, and, and they go through the seven sons of Jesse, and as they go through the seven sons, they're very impressive, good-looking, fine young men. But the Lord says, "Nope, noop, noop, like a, like a scene in The Apprentice, and you're fired. And as he goes through this, I mean, I know The Apprentice is a bit of an old joke, really, because, you know, Trump has been the president, um, but there is a, an English Apprentice that we watch as a family, so, and we're watching it at the moment, so it's in my mind, uh, You're fired by a guy called Lord Sugar. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Lord Sugar. Only in England do you have titles like presenting a show, Lord Sugar. And he goes, not this one, not this one. This is a complete mess, he's always going. This is rubbish. You didn't do the task correct. And the Lord is guiding him through each one step by step. And he comes to the end, and none of them, and it's an awkward moment. He says, do you not have any more sons? Well, there's the youngest, the smallest, the tiniest, the irrelevant one, who is tending the ship on the hill. He's the one. And there we see that God reminds Samuel that God does not look at the outward appearance, but he looks at the heart. He's always looking at the heart. And then we are reminded that actually God takes the insignificant and the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. And God sees David's heart. God sees him on the hillside. He is not forgotten. He is seen by God. Have you ever felt like you've been forgotten? (laughs) It's not nice, is it? My dad tells a story that when he was like eight years old and his parents were moving house, they forgot to tell him. Now, he usually tells this after a beer or ten, and he tells it as a kind of witticism, a story that, because he was a bit of a chatterbox and he'd tell everybody everything, and they were moving across town. So they said, oh, we'll tell him on the day, but we won't tell him before this. So he comes back from school, and his parents have moved away, uh, just a, a mile across town. Uh, yeah, it, sounds, it's, it sounded a lot funnier in my head. Um, honestly, it did. It just sounded awesome. And then eventually, Grandad came whizzing round in his little sports car to find his kid who'd come back in his shorts and his sandal from, uh, from his school and arrives there and they've gone. And of course, the very message of this is that God is now choosing and God is seeing hearts And even if you feel small, if you feel insignificant, if you feel like you are struggling, the truth is is that God is with you. But now the spirit of the Lord had departed from Saul. And an evil spirit from the Lord tormented him. We're uncomfortable with this text because demonic activity... And an evil spirit coming from the Lord seems that God cannot send something that is evil. So we're battling with the text. And as we look at it, we're wondering, well, how are we going to approach this? To be able to understand this text, basically, we have to go to the Hebrew, ruah Ra. And ruah Ra has numerous meanings connected to this idea of the evil spirit. Actually, one could call it bad spirit, that a bad spirit came on him. It could also apply as much to calamity, the word in the Hebrew, is that Saul had calamity sent on him from God. The Hebrew also talks about injury or disaster or a major problem. Literally, it's actually saying there was an un pleasant spirit, an unpleasant experience, an unhelpful experience that is coming upon Saul and is affecting him and is taking over him. And whether the debate is, whether it's demonic or psychological or mixture of two, what we're understanding that certainly here, If we interpret it and think about it, that here Saul is experiencing a calamity and a unpleasant experience that comes upon him because this is sent from the Lord. Now, that helps us understand it and and helps us get an idea of what it's trying to say. But we have to push a little bit deeper, you see. But I will say this, is that the Lord in both Testaments, old and new, makes it clear that the Lord does send calamity. The Lord does send like a a spirit of division. You only have to read Judges chapter 9 and verse 23 with the great putting that the Lord sent a spirit of division between those nations. And you only have to read some of the prophets in Isaiah or Amos where it talks the Lord sent a spirit to bring disaster upon them. The Lord sent a spirit to bring problems upon them. The Lord sent an unhelpful spirit. Then we have the Apostle Paul saying, I have had a messenger from Satan which the Lord has allowed which is a thorn in my side and I have contended with the Lord three times to take away this messenger of Satan From me, but the Lord has told me, My grace is sufficient for you. So we see that certain circumstances particularly in the life of Saul, attract this moment where calamity, where injury, where an unpleasant experience, where an unhelpful event comes upon a person. And this is why we're so uncomfortable with this, because of a reason. Mm. So what's the reason? Well, the reason is found in chapter 15. The reason is found in the behavior of Saul. The reason is found because Saul failed to do something that we must listen to and understand. In chapter 15, he's told to go and attack the Amalekites. And as he goes to attack them, the Lord gives him exact instructions of what to do. And he disobeys the instructions of the Lord. And he chooses not to obey God. And it is his disobedience, it is his cover-up, it is lack of guilt, his lack of remorse... His arrogance to have a worship service, but really it was just doing the platitudes that God looked at him and God removed his spirit from him because he was sick of him being a disobedient man who was not willing to submit to the voice of the Lord. And if chapter 15 is about anything, it's about failure to listen to what God is saying. And failure to listen... Produces disobedience. And disobedience removes the anointing, but obedience to God brings the blessing. Do you remember I taught last week? about the theology of retribution. And the theology of retribution is really that if you do what is right in the sight of the Lord, then you will be blessed. If you choose to do what is wrong in the sight of the Lord, then you will be cursed. Or you will have calamity. Or you will have difficulty. Or you will have problems. And whether this problem of Saul is a mental health issue, a demonic issue, issue or a combination of both, the root cause of his problems is his inability to listen to the voice of God. And often the root cause of our problems is that we do not listen to the voice of God or to the word of God within our lives. Choice. Choice. Choice is a really important thing. We choose to do things, and when we choose to do things, it changes our lives. I know, you know that. You choose to exercise, you get well, don't you? You choose to eat correctly, you get fit. You choose to go to McDonald's every day, you die. And (laughs) we know this. Just watch the documentary on Supersize Me. Yeah, and there's Supersize Me 2, which I haven't watched. But I love that. Do you want to be supersized? I want to be supersized. And then by the end, his doctor is like begging him, you are actually poisoning yourselves. Please stop eating this food because all of your blood work shows that you are a 80-year-old dying man. If you're 80 here, I love you. Bam! I just came into my mind. Your, 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 your fats, your levels, choices affect our life. I know. And sometimes the hardest choices are the hard ones, aren't they? Like eating vegetables. Praise the Lord. So let me back up then with Saul. Choices. Choices are a wonderful thing. They're the unique thing about humanity. It is a God divine gift that you have the capacity to have will and you have choice, right? Choice, therefore, is a massive privilege and we are privileged to have choice. We are privileged to be able to make decisions about our lives. We are privileged to be able to Make change. We are privileged to be able to make choices. It is a beautiful privilege to make these choices because this is the very nature of humanity and the very nature. of of the biblical text, is teaching us right the way through the history of Israel, is that choices, they have a choice to serve God or not serve God, and that choice comes with great responsibility. The great responsibility was that, Saul was meant to be that beacon of light so that they could, as a nation, commune with God. So you have choice, you have privilege, you have responsibility. And when you choose to not follow the right choice and the right responsibility, there are consequences. Have you ever played that game, Consequences? Oh, it's brilliant, isn't it? It's when you get a piece of paper and you fold it all up and somebody starts a story. Then you pass it around. You know this game? Nope. Okay. And, and then everybody in the group gets to write a line of the story. And at the end of it, you read the story back. Don't play with it with teenage boys. But get a chance. Consequences are there. And therefore, the consequences affect our character because we've got our responsibility, we've got our choice, we've got our consequences, and those consequences set the kind of character of which we are going to be and the kind of traits and the kind of person we are going to be. And then ultimately, we will be judged on those choices. So the question is, who's writing your story in the game of consequences? Because this is exactly what's happening with Saul. What is happening with Saul, he made his choice to disobey God. He forsook his privilege. He moved away from his responsibility as anointed king of Israel The consequences were that things started to go wrong. The ultimate consequences is that there's going to be a transition from one king to another. And he is experiencing judgment. So if chapter 15 is about the failure to hear what God's saying, then chapter 16 towards the end, is about his failure to see what God is doing. Because when David comes into the court, he sees David, he loves David, but he doesn't see what God is doing. And so the reason for the torment is consequences that he's been disobedient. The reason for the unpleasant, difficult calamity is because he has made choices that has alienated him from the relationship with God. Let's be honest. How many of us know people or know ourselves that when we've made the wrong choices, it has alienated us from the heart of God. How many of us have watched people struggle in life and make choices, and those choices have had an effect, and those choices, I mean, there are the stereotypical choices we can talk about, there are the cliche talk we can talk about in terms of of substance abuse and so on, but I don't want to be cliched in that way. What I want to say is, is that, the, that when they wrote the Old Testament and they wrote the history, it's, they're not looking for the nuances here. They're, they're telling you a story that was told again and again, and they're trying to teach you universal theological themes, and these themes come through these stories, and the theme is this. Saul rebelled against God, and God sent him calamity and pain and trouble because of his choices. So he was blind spiritually. He was deaf spiritually. He lost his way. Now, Jesus taught us he would abide with christ he taught us about abiding with the father in the vine excuse me he taught us that he could only do what he heard the father telling him to do he taught us that the sheep know the voice of the shepherd he taught us to listen and to listen to god in the journey And to listen to God. And if I'm going to take universal themes from this, I want you to take these themes. That we need to listen to the voice of God whispering in our lives and speaking to us. We need to choose the way of love and the way of trust. And we need to always ask the Lord the most important question. In this problem, in this pain, in this difficulty, what is your heart? What is your mind in this? What can I understand through this difficulty? What can I gain from this issue because I've got to make choices and I want to make those choices well and I want to be responsible to my life, to my family, to my community. I want to understand the consequences because these consequences can pollute my character and draw me away from God if anger, if resentment, if bitterness grabs hold of me. It can ruin my world. So, Lord, what Lord, what, what, do you want from me? Hallelujah. Aren't you glad you came to church? Honestly, I mean, what a cheery message. Next week, Jordan's preaching on David and Goliath, and he will absolutely kill it and will kill Goliath. And, and that's like, he'll preach. I, I love this, I, I love this, you know. The giants in your life will fall, right? And we'll all go, amen. Last week, Pastor Phil was talking about demons and stuff. But we have to understand this. Because our disobedience creates spiritual problems in our lives. And so where do we finish this? Well, we finish with the young David. So Saul, attendant, said to him, see, an evil spirit from God is tormenting you. Let our Lord command his servants here to search for someone who can play a liar. He will play when the evil spirit from God comes on you and you will feel better. Interesting that worship is the key to bring relief. And you know, when you're feeling calamity, whatever, or just feeling out of sorts, or just feeling lost, start to worship for 15 minutes, and that anxiety, that fear, that pain will lift off. And you'll see that. You'll feel better. So Saul said to his attendants, find someone who plays well, and bring him to me. One of the servants answered, I have seen the son of Jesse of Bethlehem who knows how to play the lyre. He is a brave man and a warrior and he speaks well and is a fine looking man and the Lord is with him. What a resume. Oh, it's like great. You want to marry my daughter? Give me this resume. I have seen a son like Jesse. Now, the time frame probably between the anointing and this moment was a numbers of years. So we know that that, that there is things that have happened. Somehow David has become a lack and perhaps known. His musicianship, his talents, his love of worship, and the playing of the lyre. Which is like a harp. Then Saul sent a messenger to Jesse and said, Send me your son David who is with the sheep. So Jesse took a donkey and loaded it with bread, a skin of wine, a young goat, and sent them with his son David. Now, can I ask you what David would be feeling here? He'd be thinking, I was anointed by that crazy individual who's a judge, a priest and a prophet all wrapped up in one called Samuel and he poured a horn of oil over me and I don't really get it and I don't know how all this is going to come together and now I'm called to go to Saul's court but I want to serve the best And perhaps he's saying to himself, I don't get it. I don't understand it. You're a young, tiny boy. Something happens to you then, and it's like a distant memory. And now he's finding himself heading towards the courts of Saul. He doesn't understand what's going on. And I think it's really important for us to understand it from David's perspective. Because if I take a moment to imagine, David must have been confused he must have remembered the words, but wondered if they were truthful. He must have thought, well, this is the, what's going on in the big picture. But even in the big picture, I can't see the picture. Because in these verses, I get the sense that David is in the dark. That David, he's had the whisper of the Lord. He's had the moment from the Lord, but now he's in the dark. And all David can respond is, I don't know what's going on. But I will give it my best, I will be patient and wait for the Lord to do it, if God's going to do it, and I will go, and I will honour, and I will serve, and I will be the best person I can be, because I want to honour God first. And I feel that David is going to Saul's court with the best of attitudes, with the most openness, he may be thinking, I can't see the big picture. How many of you have been there? You can't see the big picture. Well, somebody said that about 30 years ago that I would be this or that or that or the other. Or I had the moment of the Holy Spirit came to me 20 years ago or 10 years ago and said this. I had this vision. But, but it's not going the way I expected. I don't know, is it, was, did that person, you know, did Samuel have too much cheddar cheese before he came? Was he dreaming it? What was going on? Please, it's, it's like. See, David has to take the position of being, submit to the perfect timing of God. And sometimes you know there's destiny there for you, but the perfect timing of God has to work it out. But it's your personality and your dedication and your humbleness and your willingness to comply to God's will because it's character that is king that makes the difference, even when it sucks, even when it's tough. And he is going on oh, a donkey. I mean, of course, they only had donkeys then. Horses hadn't been invented. But they came from, what, the steppes of Russia. Very interesting history, the history of horses. If ever you want to read a fine book on horses, horses are really interesting. So Jesse took a donkey load with bread and skin of wine and young goat and sent them with his son David to Saul. And David came to Saul and entered his service, and Saul liked him very much. Well, he liked him because he was like a bull. And David became one of his armor bearers. Then Saul sent word to Jesse, saying, Allow David to remain in my service, for I am pleased with him. In the Hebrew, actually, it it could be interpreted, I really love him. Isn't life complicated? Has, has your life been this complicated? <laughs> Too many of you are nodding. Um, but yes, life's complicated. And Saul sent the word to Jesse saying, David, to remain in my service for I am pleased with him. And whenever the Spirit from God came on Saul, David would take up his lyre and play. Then relief would come to the Saul. He would feel better and the evil spirit would leave him. End of chapter 16. What can we learn as I close? If I think of it in my own New Testament Jesus way, the truth is we all have choices to make. And in the New Testament, the greatest choice you can make is to love your God and love your neighbor. You've got a choice. And when you stop loving your God and you stop loving your neighbor, calamity comes. Because you become miserable. Have you ever met miserable people? Become miserable. So I realize that... The choice is there. Also, the privilege that I've been called into the courts of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And I've been given talents. You have been given talents. You've been given abilities. And to, to grow in your talents and to come with your liar. And to play it to your best of your ability and to submit to the big picture of God, even though you don't understand what God's doing and you are in the dark, means that you have the gift of the Holy Spirit within you that will guide you and lead you. But you know that you can offend the Holy Spirit and grieve the Holy Spirit through certain actions, attitudes, and the way and your disposition that you apply to it. True? So I find that the history of Israel reminds me of my journey. And the worst position I want to get into is that my disobedience and sinfulness creates a catalogue of injury, calamity, unpleasantness, and pain. Because I am not listening to the voice of the Lord. Hallelujah. So I just go, oh Lord, that's why I take sin so seriously. That's why we have to repent of our sins. That's why I do inventory cards and set free. That's why we do all of this. Because it's not because it's just the program. It's because the ancient participation of the church has always taken seriously the reaction and the work of sin in our lives and that we see the inner change within our hearts and that we bring our flesh into order and we no longer live but Christ lives and we are willing even in the courts to serve well and to honor well because we cannot manipulate the future only God is in charge of the future that must make us feel like we're going to be better wives better husbands better employees that we're going to change the world that the Holy Spirit is going to use our talents and our gifts and our abilities because we are not going to allow disobedience in our lives. We want to follow, and as Galatians says, keep in step with the Spirit. Keep in step. Keep in step with the Spirit. Ah, hallelujah. So, next week, We're going to bring our giants down. The story of David. No pressure, Jordan. You'll just be, uh, he'll kill it. And um, let's stand together for a moment. And I've asked you to stand, but if you'd like to grab your communion in your hand. There are moments there. Can I remind you as we just get prepared? That uh, we're not passing the offering, but we do have boxes and we do have Sailor that is out there and she's got a lovely little machine that you just have to tap. It's a great wonder of amazement. And you don't even have to do anything, just tap it. And um, you can bring your tithes, your offerings to the Lord and honour Him this morning. Mm -hmm. Bringing our first fruits. But when we think now about this message, uncomfortable text, but I'm all right with the uncomfortableness and the, Because remember, the Hebrews weren't trying to write exact theological nuances. What they were trying to do was do massive theological brushstrokes about life and what goes wrong. And you've got to read it like that. And the brushstroke is this. Keep obeying the Lord. Be a listening person. And know God's lovely presence. And don't pretend to listen. And pretend to worship, but be a true worshiper. Choice is yours. Privilege is yours. Responsibility is yours. And that will affect your character. And we will be judged on that. And so, Lord, as we come to communion, we take our bread. And we are reminded that we need pure hearts. David was seen to have a good heart that would be shown that even his good heart could be a dark heart. And my heart is dark, Lord. So I take this and I say sorry. And thank you that you exchange my dark heart, my brokenness, my disobedience, my wrong choices because we are all prodigals and we are all recovering Pharisees and we have all done this and made mistakes but nothing but the blood of Jesus and the body of Christ that takes away the sins of the world you replace my unrighteousness with your righteousness Blessed be to God. Be redeemed, friends. The body of the Lord Jesus Christ, broken for you, eat it in remembrance of Him. The blood of Christ that takes away the sins of the world, defeats all evil. Defeats all sin and all darkness. Children of God, members of the courts of heaven, the blood of Christ.